I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Blog podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined by my good friends, friends, plural, compadres. Today, it's the Freeman Weave, Mr. Will Weir and Mr. Greg Menakis. And I've pronounced that right because I've been doing it for long enough at this point. How are you guys doing today? Man, I'm so excited to be back. Uh, I haven't been on in a couple of weeks, so three man weave, great way to get myself back into the rhythm of things. And um, I'm I'm as excited as everybody at Celtics Media Day was. Yeah, man, new season, three man weave, back together, can't beat it. Yeah, I'm telling you, when you say excited as people at Media Day was, I started off excited, I ended exhausted. <laughs> I, I was I was not pleased by the end of the day because it was just like yo. Every time you feel like you, you've got a handle on what people are saying and what's happening, there's a new, like, something's coming from the side, and then something will happen with Ben Simmons, and then something's going to happen with, I don't know, John Morant will probably like, jump over a building or something, and you're just like, what's going on, dude? Like, there was just so much to keep up with. It was a, it was a fun day. I like seeing uh, the timeline for the basketball takes again. So you were, were you just, like, sitting on Twitter all day? Yeah, so like I was kind of moaning about this to somebody earlier today. Like I had six teams give me access to um, their media Zoom press calls. Not one of the six were the Celtics. So I was like, <laughs> the one team that I want to be in on. Like I'm very grateful. Like I'm, you know, I'm humbled that I had the opportunity to jump in on a few, and I did. Like I kind of flitted between them as and when. Mm-hmm. But like uh, the one team that I was like super invested in finding out what was going on. Um, was the Celtics. I didn't have access. Uh, so I was the same as everybody else. I had Twitter on what, um, uh, you know, where you can like split your screen. So you got half and half. Mm-hmm. So I had like Twitter on the, on the left hand side. Then I had Celtics.com on the right hand side with their own stream going on. And then it was throwing me out of sync because you'd be like, Amanda Flugrad and Mark D'Amico would be talking to yeah. our Horford, but people are tweeting about, I don't know, um, Jason Tatum. And I'm just like, well, this isn't, no, this is not what I'm seeing. Yeah. You know, so I had to close down the one Two page. Two different cycles going on at the same time, and your much. brain is kind of like cross confu- cross functioningly like confusing both of them. Yeah, so I just ended up closing down that Celtics window. Like, dude, this isn't important. The stuff going on on Twitter is the important stuff. So, what were the six teams? Uh, so I had access to the Lakers, which was today. Um, okay. I ha- had access to the Sixers, to the Mavericks. Uh, I have to put up the others. Uh, who else did I have? The Sixers, the Mavericks. Let me pull them up. There's some pretty good ones so far, man. These are these are all teams that have like highly entertaining, you know, plot points for the season coming up. And you were saying, so for me, I I was working all day, so I was like very tangentially involved in media day as it was happening. And when I got home, I did my deep dive, and I took the day off of work today, so I did an extra deep dive today. Um, so I was experiencing everything after the fact. I can't even imagine trying to keep up with six different teams and the narratives coming out of all those camps, positive and negative. And then you're getting all the crazy stuff happening with the vaccinations and people speaking on that. I mean, that I I, I feel sorry for you that you actually put yourself through that, Adam. <laughs> Yo, you know so, um, the other team, sorry, the other teams were the, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, which is awesome. Um, and then I had the Charlotte Hornets, and then there's one more that I'm trying to find here. So let's just call it five. Maybe it was five, and I've added one <laughs> in my head. Five, six, wherever we were around that area. To be honest with you, dudes, like um, I hopped into a couple, but I feel like an imposter there, right? Because it's not like I know the beat writers or anything. It's not like I'm a big deal in terms of like somebody that's covering the NBA mm-hmm. as a whole. Or, like, I'm very much specific on certain teams. So I was just like, dude, I'll pop in just because it's awesome and I want to say I've been on them. But uh, for the majority of the time, I was solely focused on the Celtics, man. And um, that the speed at which things were coming out at there, like shout out Keith Smith because he, I don't know how him and Jared Weiss were keeping up with how quickly people were talking. Right. Um, yeah, dude, like, have you seen, have you watched the were videos back in Goro with like four different arms? Yeah, they, it feels they like didn't that, do right? a master class. Have you guys seen like the, like the, like when chefs or like directors do like the master classes? I feel like guys like Keith need to do a master class on like, I feel like sometimes I'll watch something and I'll be like, oh, I got a great tweet for this. I'm going to talk about, you know, Al Horford just said this. And then here's my quick little, you know, two cents on it. And somehow Keith sent it out like five minutes ago. Yeah, I, have like, I have no idea how he does it. Like when I'm saying, like, have you watched the videos back of these media days? Uh, yeah. I watched some, some back. Yeah, Grant Williams talks at 
400 miles a second like the dude <laughs> is so like he the, the house fast he speaks so like I'm, i've done an article that come out on celtics block today just talking about like horford and what players had said about horford and trying to transcribe grant williams is his quote was ridiculously tough because i like to try and listen and type as i'm listening and if i fall back i'll just reverse it i had to listen to that one quote like eight or nine times just to be able to finish a paragraph of what he'd been speaking about dude speaks at a mile a minute yeah speed tweeting and being able to tweet while something is going on whether it's the the interview or even like this applies to games too i have to wait till this commercial breaks or else i feel like if i start tweeting about something going on in the game i then miss what happens next in the game and so then i'll wait for the commercial break and then by then it's like keith smith jared weiss whoever else is like and like i said i don't know if they have somebody like that they're dictating this to that they're doing like, like <laughs> they the, have the a court kids. stenographer just sitting next to them <laughs> yeah it's like the Chappelle show uh skit where they have like the courts the home court stenographer that can like come with you and write everything back but like i don't know how they do it it's it, it really is something that i would love to learn it's tough, man. Like, uh, I've tried live tweeting a bunch of games last season. Like, um, you know, the Celtics had quite a few matinee games. There we go. The word went yeah. out of my head. So, uh, I live tweeted through all of those and, uh, it's tough keeping up because when you're type, like you said, I'll be typing out some, uh, I did it in summer league. So I typed out about Romeo going missing for stretches in games. Soon as I hit send, Romeo had that big dunk where he just jumped out. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, I've literally just said you now I've got to go back and, it's uh, it's tough, man. It is because narratives, especially during a live game, they flip so quickly. Yeah, we. I think we got to sign up for a subscription to uh, Dragon Voice Recognition so we can just dictate everything. What's this? Yeah, what is this? I don't even know what this is. You don't, you don't know Dra Dragon? It's like the classic transcriber for audio. You're both Adam and I are shaking our heads right now. We can no. cut that out of the pod. <laughs> no, no, we need that. So, so for YouTube and stuff, I can use this, right? Yeah. You can subscribe though, so it's paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's just like the, it, it's like, um, if you're Do trying you to teach this a kid, is more commonly known than it is apparently. I, 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 it's like hooked on phonics for kids. If you're trying to teach a kid how to read, like you go to hooked on phonics, like back in the day, it's like the same type of thing. <laughs> okay, I do remember the commercials for hooked on Pho hooked on phonics. I definitely remember. Never heard of hooked on phonics. Maybe that's an American thing. If you grew it up, didn't make it across the pond, Adam. Yeah, I mean, we learn in phonics, dude. Like, phonics, phonics is here too, but like uh, maybe it's just a different website. Anyway, I feel like we're getting too far off track here. <laughs> We've gone from media day and trying to cover things live to hook time phonics. <laughs> 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 what a rabbit hole we fell down! <laughs> oh, what a hill we choose to die on sometimes. So let's 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 steer this back towards the basketball world, and we'll start funny. We'll start with the phonics side of things. Who do you think has the most phonetic name? No, I'm joking. Um, okay, so look, where do you want to start with this? Because there was a bunch of news that came out. For me, I think that if I was going to choose a, a, an, an avenue to first go down, it would be how much we need to applaud Brad Stevens for his insane mic drop at the end of his media interview on Media Day. Because just as he was standing up and about to walk out the door, he's like, yeah, Jalen Brown's been cleared to practice tomorrow. And, and then just leaves, dude. Just like, here's the live grenade and I'm done. Peace. <laughs> Yeah, Brad. Brad seems pretty comfortable as Pobo. Um, I I didn't watch any of like the the actual media room interviews. I I watched all of the interviews that Amanda Flugrad and Mark D'Amico did. So I saw Brad Stevens' interview with them. So I didn't actually see that. But that I mean, the interview that Brad did with those two was amazing. Where he was just talking about how comfortable he is now in his role, and he's speaking so highly of Ime Adoka and how how much he thinks that his leadership style is going to translate. Um, so. I, I can imagine it. I can't wait to go back and rewatch that because Brad definitely seems comfortable in his role. And I think every single person on the team that was in those interviews with Flugrad and D'Amico, they everybody looked like they were happy, smiling, positive. The word chemistry was thrown around like 10 different times. People were talking yeah. playing their roles, being accentuators, gap fillers, all these things. And it seems like everybody is singularly focused on doing what's what it's going to take to get the Celtics into you know, out of the play-in tournament and back into a contention tournament. Yeah, the synergy throughout the entire media day I thought was was interesting in an extremely positive way, to your point, Greg, of how everything felt 
so aligned and coordinated despite this being the first day of the new season there being so many new faces so many new roles and i can't remember if it was i think it was the the interview that that brad stevens was doing i think my favorite part was where he was like yeah it was crazy i traded tra- traded kemba like three days into the job <laughs> yeah. like he was surprised at how crazy it was of a move that he made or like that that was going to be like his new role that how early that that happened into his tenure and so i think it was interesting just listening to brad you know talk through you know, what would happen this offseason, where he's at. And to your point, he looks super comfortable. I think there feels to be a, a different type of unity in this organization right now, where almost everybody had, you know, similar messaging. And one that I think really stuck out to me was that last year was last year. This is this year. We're over last year. We know like what did or didn't happen last year. And that's in the past. This is a new team. There's a new energy. There's a new coach. There's new accountability. There's new leadership on this team. And that's kind of what everyone's looking to. And that was one of my biggest takeaways was just just how coordinated that entire messaging was from top to bottom, from everybody from the bottom of the roster to the front office. Do you know what I like about that, though? The way everything was so symbiotic, symbiotic, was because throughout the last few weeks, um, since Stevens moved into that po-boy role, one of the biggest keywords, other than um, other than financial flexibility, one of the other biggest keywords has been relatability, and it's been about having coaches that are relatable to the players, and it's been about be, the players being able to relate to Brad Stevens because they've worked under him, and now he's overseeing everything, so they know he's doing what's best for the team. But more importantly, the way that symbiosis comes with all these different points, everybody's speaking on off the same hymn sheet to kind of paraphrase things is because everyone is so relatable. They, the, the new coaching staff brought in, have a relationship with Ime Udoka. Some of this coaching staff has relationships with, you know, whether it be Josh Richardson, whether it be Al Horford, maybe, you know, um, who is it? Will, is it Will Handy? Will Hardy? Whoever. Uh, Will Hardy. Will Hardy was in Tokyo with mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. So they've built up a rapport there. Everybody seems to have these underlying and pre-existing relationships either directly with somebody or vis-a-vis one of their teammates and maybe they've been around or heard about these guys before. So that relatability factor to me has made things feel just like everything has slotted into place because it was designed in such a way that it would be a quick and seamless transition into this new season. Yeah, I mean, to that point, I think one of the other major takeaways for me was the return of Al Horford. And Al Horford hits a lot of those marks from his past relationship with with Ime in Philadelphia, his past relationship with Jay Rich, who I am 100% going to call Jason Richardson at some point in the the near future, because that's what I think of immediately. But his relationship with him from his time in Philly, Dennis Schroeder being, you know, a young guy on his teams in Atlanta. So Al's coming back in. Obviously, he has those relationships with the Jays and Smart. And so, you know, Al's a very seamless leadership transition that not only fits on the court better than with some of the parts that we had last year, but off the court with, you know, being that veteran leader. And I think, I don't know if it was to, if it was during the first practice or during media day uh, where Emei kind of threw a jab at Al where he's like, we got guys damn near as old as me, like Al Horford on the team. And so, you know, really having a, a veteran leader like Al that's been so connected with these guys throughout their career. And it was interesting hearing him talking about coming back to the Celtics where he was like, when I left, you know, Jalen was still kind of figuring out like where he's going to be, what he's, where he's going to go with his career. He's like, man, Jalen's in year six. He's a veteran. He's not, he's not a young guy anymore that, that I'm mentoring. I'm here to support him. You know, they keep, they keep using the word pillars. Jays are the pillars of this team. And, you know, as Adam, the tool man Taylor can tell you, you need support (laughs) when it comes to those pillars. And so Al Horford's here to be that support for those guys. And so I, I think having Al back here, seeing him in the green and hearing him in his uh, in, in the way that he views his role, I thought was one of my favorite parts about uh, about media day. Yeah, and I, I think the positivity that, that they're all bringing, right? Like when you think back to last year and just being on Celtics Twitter, the three of us were on Celtics Twitter all the time last year. Just think about how toxic of an ecosystem that was. And, you know, we don't have to have any more conversations about Kemba Walker. We don't have to have any more conversations about Brad Stevens. Does he have the pulse of the locker room? We don't have to have any more conversations about Danny Ainge. We don't have to have any more conversations about Gordon Hayward's TPE. Like those are the narratives that I feel like 90% of my Twitter feed was last year, right? So now when you think of like all the narratives that are coming out of this training camp, they're they're all so positive and they're supposed to be, right? It's day one, it's media day. 
you're supposed to hear like guys being in the best shape of their lives and all that. But when you when you compare what the Celtics media day was compared to like the the national discourse, especially around the vaccines and everything, everything was so positive in Boston, man. Grant Williams dropped 15 pounds. <laughs> Josh Richardson, happy to be, you know, in, on a team where his skill set fits. Al Horford has lots left in the tank. Marcus Smart is finally getting to be in the role he prefers as a point guard. Robert Williams, packed on muscle, understands the importance of staying healthy. Enos Cantor and Al Horford realize the grass is greener in Boston. Like I can go on and on, and I'm going to. Aaron Neesmith worked out with Chris Middleton. He's getting deeper into his bag. Romeo Langford said that he is healthy, and it's the first time he's been without injury since college. I know, Adam, you're a little down on Romeo right now, but he said that he, you know he's expecting big things. Jalen Brown's knee is healthy. Jason Tatum's completely recovered from COVID. Like all these things, man, are are all positive. Everybody was kind of like aligned. And I don't know that they like had a meeting beforehand, but it definitely felt very like organically coordinated in the message. And we'll use the word synergy because Will's a sales guy and he talks about like upward mobilities and stuff like that, uh, verticals and all that stuff that I, I can't even get into. But it seems like the Celtics are like all on the same page. And it starts with Brad Stevens as Pobo and it starts with Iman Adoka being being the leader that we we hired him to be. I mean, you missed one out. We don't have to speak about how much of a mistake Jeff Teague was either. <laughs> just, just to point that out there. Just to point that out there. No, are we, no. are we done with our uh, PTSD post Teague stress disorder? Can we can we retire no. that one? No, he won a championship, dude. I'm going to be scarred for a while. Yeah, when he was um, on the court with the Bucks, I was definitely having that big time. <laughs> Do you know what the like when you when you're saying like there's no more and I'm just like joking around here I'll obviously get my serious hat on in a moment but there is no more Gordon Hayward TP discussions soon as the Celtics lose their first game whether that be 10 games into the season two games into the season it will be 0.03 seconds until somebody tweets out who are we targeting with that Evan Fournier 17 million TP like that's just the nature of the beast, right? Yeah, like, we, we, still got TPEs. we still got TPEs for <laughs> coming days. out the wazoo, dude. <laughs> There's so many of them, but like that's the nature of the beast. And I think that's kind of the roller coaster that you have to ride um, as a fan, as an aspiring analyst or as a player or wh whatever you're, wherever you fit within the NBA ecosystem on social media. The part of the, the, the beast is everything's going good. Everybody's happy. One little hiccup and 80% of the people are going to lose their minds. You see, like, uh, I don't follow the NFL. I saw a team, um, I think it was the 49ers, threw a touchdown and people were saying it was a few seconds too early and it cost them the game and all this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the, it's the nature of the beast. Dude. That's just the way it works. But when you look at the positive vibes coming from the franchise, like um, the, the way people were speaking about Al Horford, the way that Dennis Schroeder said, like, um, you know, Al being in Boston after the... the good times we had together in Atlanta and me knowing he was going to be able to kind of keep that locker room in check. That was a reason that made the Celtics an attractive proposition to Schroeder. You talk, you hear Rudoka talking about how cerebral of a player Al Horford is and how he can spot a pass better than most. And then he can stretch the floor. He can dribble. Everybody just seems to be building everybody up. You heard people talking about Tatum and Brown all the way through if you hear people talk about like Robert Williams made sure that when he was bigging up Al Horford, he also threw in Ennis Cantor's name. There just seems to be this real team camaraderie and nobody wants to leave anybody out. So when they are saying these amazing things about each other, really trying to build each other's ego and build each other's confidence and lift each other up, nobody's name's getting missed out. You hear Grant Williams talk. He wants to talk about Pritchard. He wants to talk about Neesmith. You hear me talk. I usually try and talk about Romeo a little bit. I'm not on the team, but you know I'm 6'2", 6'3". More 6'3 than 6'2". Send me a contract. I'll be there on a 10-day real quick. Um, and I'll talk about whoever you want me to talk about, to be quite honest. But, um, you know, shameless plug. But seriously, when it comes to that mentality and the way that everyone's already kind of bought in and they're pulling in that same direction... And then you throw in Udoka that's going to be this crazy, like, I don't think he's going to be a drill sergeant, but he's not going to take no slacking. You can you can tell that from the way he speaks. Like, he's holding everybody accountable and they better be prepared to work hard and work hard daily. So um, that's either going to make or break this positive spirit once training camp starts, because everybody can sound happy to the running laps. you got to sound happy when you finish running the laps. That's when we know that everything's going well. Do yeah, coaches still make guys run laps? <laughs> 
they must at I some know, point. I'm just I, guessing. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like if, if movies are not lying to us, then yes, they still do at some point. But, uh, but no, Is on that email, suicide note, runs, dude. <laughs> uh, on that email, note, I did see uh, an interesting point where he's trying to pick up some of some of what he learned from Pop in San Antonio, and you know, I guess not necessarily popular to do on road trips, but have individual player dinners with the coach typically coaches will hang out with coaches players will hang out with players so i like the idea of of ime kind of going through player by player continuing to build those relationships and him taking a little bit of what he learned in each of his stops when philadelphia with doc rivers being maybe a little bit more of a player's coach at the right times but then obviously taking some of what he learned from from pop's time in san antonio yeah so which of which are the narratives that i kind of threw out there are y'all like most buying out of day one, right? So I'll, I'll give you a couple. So Grant Williams down 15 pounds. Let's start there. Are we are we buying into Grant Williams potentially being a contributor on this year's team, considering how deep the roster is? I mean, he said he needs to lose another eight to ten pounds to be viable at the four. That those are his words. So. I think I'm buying into the prospect of seeing Grant Williams perform at the four and seeing him not get blown by as much or as consistently. Uh, whether or not he actually cracks the rotation as you go deeper into the season, well, that remains to be seen. But if Udoka is going to be running double big lineups um, regularly, then there's definitely going to be minutes up for grabs, especially for someone like Grant when the team decides to go small or when they need a free and D guy that can just post up in the corner and be a consistent free threat. So yeah, I think I'm buying in. I'm buying uh but I'm buying in at like five cents a share. I'm going on the pink <laughs> slips. You can uh you can let the wolf of Wall Street know I'm in on the on Grant Williams for some pink slips. Yeah, some penny I'll, stocks. I'll, I'll join you on the penny stocks. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh with just Adam and I, where when you look at like that power forward spot slash small ball five spot where Grant Williams is gonna live, that's pro- that's the area of this team that is still most fluid and up for debate as to who's going to solidify those minutes between, you know, if you're looking at the four spot, Wancho, Grant Williams, Jabari Parker, you know, I, I assume Horford's going to play a little bit of there at the four in conjunction with Robert Williams. And then Jason Tatum may be your de facto starting four, depending on what the lineup looks like. So I think those backup minutes for the power forward and the small ball five are going to be up there for Grant. And I think he's going to get a shot. You know, I don't think there's any reason, you know, as much hate as Grant Williams gets on Celtics Twitter, like Keith Smith had an article, I think it was last week where it's like, listen, if you just ask around the league, if you could take right now, you don't know the rest of your roster, but you can just say Grant Williams is going to be your ninth or 10th best man on your team. Most teams are taking that every single day. Like Grant's a fine back end of the bench guy. So I think Grant, you know, really only being in his third year, even though it feels like he's actually been on the team longer, like there's still opportunities for him to improve. So I think this sounds great. It's a good start. And I think he's going to get a chance to take those words and put them into action on the court. So I'll, I'll buy him at a penny stock. So are we, are we considering Grant to be more of the guy that we saw in the bubble where we were like, man, he should have been on the court instead of Daniel Tice guarding Bam down the stretch against the Heat? Or are we looking at him more as like what he played last year, where he was kind of a fringe rotation player, where, you know, spotting up, hitting threes, being reliable, being more of a gap filler? Because I personally, there's still a part of me that wants to believe in the best of Grant Williams, that he can actually be, you know, not, not an end of the bench guy, but maybe something that you go to in in more specific matchups against teams where we could go small ball five, but Grant being a small ball five, that is like our go-to small ball five. I think there's still a chance that that happens this year or the year after that. Where are you guys on that? I mean, for me, I always remember the job he did on Nikola Jokic on that comeback game against the Nuggets. Um, and I think that was one of the best performances he's had since being in the league, to be quite honest. I mean, he pretty effectively shut down an MVP. Uh, let's be fair, Jokic kind of took his foot off the gas during that stretch because he was on a minute's restriction due to a back-to-back mm-hmm. himself. It's not like he came in and shut down an MVP that was literally 
steamroller and through dudes like Jokic had done that already by the time Grant Williams came on the floor it just kind of synced up that Grant got a lot of the plaudits for the job he did as Jokic was starting to wind down for his uh job well done type of day but you look at that as like that's like a good ceiling to have somebody that you can bring in put up against one of the better cerebral as Udoka would call it big men in the league and say to Grant Williams get underneath him play him physical and then when you're on offense just find your spot and if the ball finds you make sure you're consistent so I, I, I can see where he would be you know maybe a third string free and D guy this year I, I, at the four and then prime your primary option at the five is the small ball option I can see how that would be beneficial to grant because then he's got a very defined role on both sex um sections so whether he's at the four and you're asking him to be just be that three and d guy or he's at the five and you're like hey we need you to be the small ball dude we need you to give us that five out offense and we need you to be more versatile laterally and vertically on defense than what al horford is or and rob williams is taking a seat right now so i could see that working long term I think if you had Grant Williams any higher than your eighth man in the rotation, then you're not looking at going deep in the playoffs. And I just feel like that's just the way it is. He's not Draymond Green and he's never going to be. Um, mm -hmm. Which is, you know, nobody else in the league is like Draymond Green. That's yeah, why Draymond I mean, is Draymond's Draymond. an exception. He's not the rule, which is which I think is what fooled the rest of the league into trying to... For a long to, time. Yeah, everyone was trying to find the next Draymond. It's like, yeah, maybe there just really isn't a next Draymond because he's, you know, he's the exception. He's not the rule. But, you know, with Grant, it's his third year. Second year going into his third year, progression, as we know, is not necessarily always linear, you know, unless your name's Jalen Brown, and it, it apparently is. But with every, with every, with everyone else, it's not usually the way it works. So, you know, to, to just completely write off Grant, I think, would be a mistake. I think going into the season, I look at him as, you know, if we're using this as like a baseball analogy, he's that third pitch for a guy. He's not necessarily your go-to first or second pitch that you're using to hammer guys throughout the game but when you need to kind of come in with something a little different something to catch him off guard like to your point who thought he would be a, a pretty solid matchup for Nikola Jokic so you go in you got a Grant Williams that you can plug in if you're in the right small ball five matchup you can go ahead and, and, and put Grant in there so I think Grant's going to get a chance to shine he's going to get some moments where he gets some run in there and who knows that's that's one of the beauties of, of where we're at right now coming off of media day first preseason game is going to be on Monday against the Magic. It's the first time we're going to have any clue as to what, you know, Coach Ime looks like running this team. We have no idea. You guys did an amazing job trying to go through what you were predicting the substitute patterns to be. We'll finally have a chance to see what that looks like, where he wants to slot, guys. Uh, and I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. So, Will, you got to stop doing baseball analogies on this pod. The word pitch to Adam means something very different. <laughs> hey, man, he, made a, he made a football reference on his own. I think he's, That's he's true. catching up. You know what I mean? That's true. I'm, he's, yo, he's been, I'm okay, man. I'm okay. <laughs> I, know, he's, he's uh, been, I know what He's been studying. I know but what I, you baseball know. pitch is. Oh, you're welcome for my English grammar as well, Greg, just by the way. Yeah, dude, I love it. I love it. <laughs> you, you spell practice with, a, with, a, with, with an S. S. I was yeah, dying I laughing. saw that. But, yo, this is, this is like no, the classic I mean, Adam Taylor pod right now. Classic Adam Taylor pod. We just spent five minutes talking about Grant Williams before we talked about anything else. So I, I, I love it. I know I brought it up, but that's why I love talking with Adam. because we talk about like the stuff, super niche Celtics. Uh, you're not going to find this on like a Bill Simmons podcast. He's not giving you five minutes of uh, of Grant Williams talk. <laughs> Yo, role players are important, dude. I genuinely believe that. I think that when I, whenever I try and like break down basketball and break down like team and stuff, like I'm like, everybody's going to be diving into what Tatum's doing, what Brown's doing. And I get it. We're all super interested in that stuff. But at the same time, you're, your stars are only as good as the role players around them. So if you're yeah. not if you're not able to break down the role players' weaknesses and strengths, then you're never really going to know what foundations the stars are going to be on. So I do find it um, super important to make sure that you are diving into every member of the team equally because they're all going to play a role, whether that be supporting, leading, supplementary. So, yeah, man, I like that. But yeah, just so well, you know as well, practice with an S is still technically spout, right? <laughs> I like it. I like our English lesson. We gotta we gotta do like an English uh like an English grammar or English lesson lesson corner with Adam at some point. Like Did each I time we I just have Vegas? like a brand new English lesson. Oh, and the dude said to me, like um he, he was talking to me, he was like, dude, where are you from? I said, England. He went, Your English is amazing. Where did you learn to speak English? I said, I'm from England. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it took about five minutes for him to realize that English is from England, not from America. And uh, how, how was inebriated cool. was this guy? 
Who was who was it was Vegas, dude. We was down um okay. we was down old Vegas as well. So it was down like a uh, uh, old Vegas is, a, is an interesting place for those who have not been. It's a very yeah. interesting place. Well that's it's like the people down here in Texas who tell the people that speak Spanish, they say stop speaking Mexican. It's like no, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, spe- they're speaking they're speaking <laughs> Spanish, dude. Yeah, some people have a have a little bit of a disconnect when it comes to where languages come from and which languages are spoken. Oh, that's that so funny. Stop speaking. God, we are so <laughs> anyway, off course here. We yeah, are so off course. But to... p- picking up from your last point, Adam, uh, something I'm curious to know from from you guys. And we're gonna we're gonna talk plenty about the Jays and about the major components of this team. But you're right, role players are important. And so yesterday, Greg, you went through a long laundry list of take like quick hit takeaways that you had from what felt like everybody on the roster. So if we're looking just at the role players. What was your your biggest takeaway from either something that was said that they said directly, or that maybe because this team loved talking about each other, which is a, which is a really great thing that someone was said about them? What what'd you guys have uh, have as a takeaway? For me, it's Dennis Schroeder, man. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the impact that this dude is going to have. He's a legitimate starting point guard in the league. And to have him as our backup point guard when we're coming off of a year in which Jeff Teague was our backup point guard to start the year, it's such a world of difference. Like Dennis Schroeder is a legit baller. I think Celtics fans, for whatever reason, don't know how good he can be. But I'm actually super, super high on a closing five of Schroeder, Smart, Jays, and either Lobb or Al Horford. Because I, I think that's going to have so much potential um, for playmaking on the floor, defensive versatility. I think Schroeder and Smart, the the fact that they're able to guard two different types of guards. You know, Marcus kind of struggles with the quicker guys. And I think Schroeder is a underrated on-ball defender against quick guys. I remember him guarding uh, Kemba. I know Kemba was a little limited last year, but Schroeder gave him fits. Schroeder was like all over Kemba, picking him up 94 feet. And I think to have that one-two punch guarding different types of guards. And then I think Peyton Pritchard's also a, a better defender than people give him credit for. Um, so Schroeder is, is the guy that I'm looking for because he said that he doesn't care if he starts. His, his first interview, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm here to win. I'm here to play the role that the coach asked me to play. And I know that some people were worried, was he going to buy into a role coming off the bench when he has been on record as saying he would rather start dating back to his time in Atlanta. So he said the right thing on day one. And that's something I'm going to be really interested to see how that kind of, um, you know, how, how that goes throughout the season. Does he continue to be happy in that role or is, is he going to become a malcontent? I think for me, like Schroeder's definitely up there with me as well. well I was talking about this on a YouTube, uh, on my YouTube channel earlier today, actually. Um, when for me, when Udoka is discussing selflessness and self, like playing selflessly, a lot of people that I've spoke to have taken that as, oh, there's going to be a lot more passing. Guys are going to be more willing passers. I'm taking that a step further, and I'm like, I think I genuinely believe one of the discussions Udoka is going to have with this team is. Selfless play also means doing the things that you're not going to get recognition for. It means making sure that you cut to create driving lanes for somebody else. You're never going to get the the kudos for that cut that opened up a driving lane, but that off-ball movement is just as selfless as what it is to actually assist on somebody scoring or to set a screen is just as selfless. So that off-ball role is going to be key in my opinion, to what Udoka's trying to preach, just based off of what I'm kind of taking away from his press conferences and stuff. And that's going to be the question I'm going into the season with with Schroeder is, fair enough, you're, you're saying you're willing to embrace a bench role and you're willing to embrace whatever role the team gives you, but I need to see if you're willing to embrace a selfless off-ball role, that you're you're willing to make movement and like put exert your energy when there's going to be nothing in it for you at the end of it. You're not going to be involved in the play, but your movement could end up in helping open up a scoring opportunity. If if we can see Schroeder do that, then I think that we're going to a really solid thing with that backup point guard position because at that point, Schroeder's an absolute nightmare to match up against because he can, if he cuts and receives the ball, he's going to have defense defenders trying to catch up with him. He's going to attack him on the rip through. It's going to be easy money. He likes to get those jumpers around the elbows. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially off pick and rolls, like I think seventy percent of his pick and roll shots come at the elbows around the uh, free throw line extended. Mm-hmm. So I'm super high on Schroeder, but I have to see whether he'll buy into that off ball role before I really put my like I really grasp onto this idea with two hands. And quick, quick nerd corner, Adam. 
are you, how excited are you to see a pistol action with Schroeder, Tatum, and either Horford or Lob Williams? Yeah, like a pistol curl or something can get like um they ran Romeo in pistol curl actions a few times last year and then they were decoying Romeo as the curler off the pistol and then hitting rub with a lob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that because it rhymes rub with a lob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so That's I, the I'm origin sure. of the nickname. Lob yeah, Williams. dude, rub with a lob. Like, Adam, uh, I just Adam's like just, Adam's just, just discovering English people speak English in England. Lob Williams is because it rhymes with Rob Williams. No, I mean, I knew it already, but it just sounded pretty. Um, <laughs> I threw me off my train of thought. Like, uh, you got, I mean, there's a bunch of pistols that can run a pistol pitch, um, pistol get action. There's going to be, yeah, a, pistol you, get's going to be, he's, he's going to be a beast in that, man. Yeah. 21 keep, they might run some of that stuff. There's mm-hmm. going to be a bunch of ways that they can utilize it, but I think that having Schroeder operate as the uh, recipient, so the ball handler or the recipient off um, dribble handoff actions is going to be the best way to get Schroeder into scoring opportunities just because of that explosiveness he's got and because he likes to score off the dribble. That you're going to want to put him in positions where he's collecting ball um, balls from dribble handoffs or from screening actions because that's going to be when you've already got him going downhill and he feels most comfortable. But again, for him to be in a position to receive those type of passes, the off-ball movement needs to be crisp and he needs to buy into that off-ball role. Otherwise, everything breaks down. Well, in in a, my bad, Will. I just just one more one go, more man. quick thing with the Lakers. They ran that like hit ahead get action a lot with Anthony Davis, either from LeBron or Schroeder, where they would just throw the ball up to Davis and cut hard off of him um, at the elbow in, in transition. So I think that that could definitely work with Tatum. I would love to see a little bit more hit ahead action from Schroeder to Tatum with um, with Schroeder coming off that. Uh, but I, I'm just excited to see his his speed on the court. Because Kemba, if you think back to Kemba 2019 when he first got to the team, he was so fast, man, before his knee really started bothering him. And Schroeder, in my opinion, is as fast, maybe faster, um, doesn't have the three-point shot off the pick and you know off the pick and roll we can stop at the three-point line. But his just pure speed is going to be a real problem, and I think it's going to be really big for us coming off the bench. Go ahead, I mean, it was It was his end-to-end speed that I think was part of what drew him comparisons to German Rondo. You know, obviously his body type is, is very similar, but when he first came into the league, that was the way a lot of people viewed him. And I think a lot of that had to do with, with his end-to-end, end-to-end speed. But really what I was just going to say is with, with everything with media day is kind of like you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like this is one of those things where it needs to sound good because that's step one. Step one is being able to say the right things of what you're working on, what you what you want to accomplish, and then ultimately the actions are going are going to speak for that. But you'd rather be in the position where you have the you win the press conference battle and you're saying the right things. Your team's excited. Your team seems is connected. The fans are connecting to your messaging, and everything you know is, is seemingly working. So. You know, we'll see what happens when it gets put into action. But I love what I'm hearing with this team. And that's where, for me, the, the role guys that, that jumped out to me were some of the new ones. So specifically, Juancho Hernan Gomez and also Jay Rich, Josh Richardson. Uh, I loved hearing them actually talk about, you know, knowing what their roles are coming in. You think about this team over the last few years. The back end of that bench has been so young. And through no fault of their own, young guys, when you come into the league, you want to make your mark. You want to find a way to stick around. And we're now seeing a lot of those guys aren't necessarily in the league or don't really have spots, whether it's Carson Edwards or Tremont Waters or I know Taco's in Cleveland now, you know, but they're they're still scratching and clawing, trying to show that they belong. Something that you didn't hear from from those guys yesterday that I mentioned was, you know, Wancho talked about being an accentuator. And Jay Rich talked about filling the gaps. They're not talking about, I got to make my mark. I'm going to prove what I can do. It's it's kind of almost a more self-realized, here's what I do, and I'm going to do what I can do best to help with the rest of the team, feeling more established and more confident in their roles. And so I think that's just a world of difference from what the back of the bench was going to feel like and what our rotation could have felt like last year to what we know people or players are already thinking just from that mindset going into the season. And I'm excited to see if that does translate. Once again, words are words, actions are actions. But saying the right things, feeling like those are going to be the right guys to come in and play those smaller roles and let the Jays do their thing, let Horford, Lob, Smart, you know, that's really who I kind of consider the core five right now. And then you're kind of filling in the gaps and accentuating those. I love hearing that from, from the role guys on this team. Yeah, and, and you need qualified guys to play within the role. Right. You, you, if, if anything, you want people that are overqualified for the role. 
And last year we had guys that were barely qualified to like put on a uniform. So <laughs> <laughs> like Semi Ojale, I always talk about Semi Ojale. Yo, poor Semi catches <laughs> always, <laughs> always catches a stray. Like, yeah, nobody catches a stray like Semi Ojale. Like, the dude threes, couldn't. But. He couldn't do anything other than catch and shoot. Like everybody on the roster this year can deck the ball on some on some level. Aside from like Enos Cantor, but you're never going to ask him to do that, right? You throw the ball to to Wancho, he can pump and go. Grant Williams can pump and create a little bit. He's great with the dribble handoff, with the fake handoff driving to the basket. Uh, Jabari Parker, obviously we know he can score the ball. Uh, Romeo Langford, Adam was clamoring for him to be a point guard last year. You know what I mean? Like there's still a possibility that he gets to flex that I playmaking still, gene a little bit. Aaron, Aaron Neesmith flex three-level scoring. Peyton Pritchard, like, dude, we can go on and on again. This roster's so deep. It's crazy how deep it is compared to last year. And Mark D'Amico brought it up, and I think his interview with Romeo, he was just talking about how competitive the practices are going to be and how much Udoka is going to encourage that for guys to earn their spots and earn their minutes. That's that's going to be huge for this team because last year it was like, all right, like maybe we'll throw in Javante Green and he might be able to give us a couple minutes. Like what? Like that that's that's what we were throwing out there and now we got all these guys that are Didn't like that. legitimate NBA players. Dude, I'm so excited for this season. I think that if everything goes right, uh th- this Celtics team could be a real problem in the East. Did yeah, didn't Javante start Titan's last season? Titan's boy, dude. <laughs> Titan's boys just catching a shrapnel, man. Yo, Javante and Semi are definitely not fans of the podcast. <laughs> oh man. I'm telling you what, yeah. The thing was with like Shemi just caught catch and shoot all season. Shemi showed a Euro step last year for the first time. Yo, like ever. That was like Celtics, the first Celtics game. Of the year. Went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it, Shemi's yo, got a Euro step. Yo. Greg and I were have been on Semi Island for what was in the Celtics for three years, four years. Like early on, we were very big into the yo. This is going to be like a second round steal here, and then especially when Brad kind of tricked us into being like, "Oh, Semi's the Giannis stopper." No, you just kept throwing him out there, and he was just collecting fouls in a couple minutes here and there. And then we once slowly realized that there wasn't much to it. And so when he hit that Euro step last year, it was like, "Thank God we didn't leave," and, and we should have left. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you could have said like you you know you were semi in and semi out one foot in and one foot hey, out. There it is. We should have been know? first ferry off that island. Well, yeah, we were we we were part time workers at the Ojale factory by the end. Did you uh, did you both have your own Wilson? <laughs> it was it was That's just a, a picture one. of Taco Fall. Did that, uh, did that, did that hit right? Did the castaway reference? Work? Yeah, it did. I, it missed me for a second. At first, of all, I thought you were talking about like a Wilson basketball, and I was like, uh, I'm not getting this. But yeah, no, that was a go. We were, we were on the uh, island of misfit toys for a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was back to the dragon voice recognition earlier. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, what? To, to pull us back just towards the end of the show, like, so everyone's talking right now about how deep the team is, how the young guys are going to be like involved in probably some of the most competitive practices that they've ever been involved in. Uh, when Brad Stevens was speaking to the media yesterday, he kind of said the same thing because they got, he like, I can't remember who it was that asked him outright, but it was basically like, hey, you've brought in a bunch of veteran guys. You were really young last year. Have you made a conscious mm-hmm. effort to do this? Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um and Brad was like, no, we've bought in players that we think make us a more competitive team, give us more versatility. And in terms of the young guys, like we're still quite young. We still have a few young guys. And if they're able and capable of working themselves into a great opportunity, then they're going to have a great opportunity. But if they're not capable, then they will be on the bench with other players that have been unable, and I'm paraphrasing again, not unable to crack the rotation that's just the way it is and that's the way it should be because that's like what, what's the saying iron sharpens iron so to, in order to become a better player you need to be practicing against guys that are going to push you and you need to have a target you need somebody in front of you with a target on their back so you know what level you need to get to and then surpass so i think that um, this was a master stroke by stevens especially considering Guys like Pritchard who have just, like, if you read any article that The Athletic produced on Pritchard last year, and there's a couple of amazing ones. I think um, Jared Weiss done one, Jay King done one. Um, no, everyone seems to say that Peyton Pritchard is the most competitive guy since Michael Jordan. He was probably betting guys on lottery tickets from 12 years ago. Like, um, so Pritchard's going to find a way to be in that rotation, regardless of who's yeah. in front of him, because that's in his nature. 
And it's it hopefully we start to see some aggression out of Romeo because of that. Hopefully Grant Williams keeps that nice guy demeanor, but has a bit more of a bad boy attitude on the floor. Maybe that brings that there. I think that there were times last year where he started to develop a bit of an attitude and he was getting in guys' faces if they body check somebody too hard and whatnot. And I think that as a free and D guy, as somebody like Williams that's quite a sturdy guy. Like you need to be in that enforcer role because that is a role that will always find you minutes on a team or at least find you somewhere within the NBA. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of developments both in personality-wise, demeanor-wise, and skill set-wise this year from everybody. Yeah, real quick on Peyton Pritchard, something that uh, that I picked up that I didn't know yesterday was that you know through this coaching staff, and I know I know Ime played in Portland, and I believe he was maybe might have been on the coaching staff in Portland. I, mean, I can't remember quite that, but a lot of these coaches have Portland and Oregon ties. So Peyton mm-hmm. Pritchard actually already has kind of what we talked about at the beginning, all the different relationships from Ime and Al and then Brad and like all the connections that are being made. Is that even a guy like Peyton Pritchard going into his second year already has a relationship with a lot of these coaches? Damon Stoudemire was someone that he met, and he kind of talked about how the you know the Portland and the Oregon basketball community it's relatively small so once you hit a certain level all of these guys start to interact so he's already been exposed and already has these relationships previously with a lot of the coaches which i think which you know you would you would lead to believe would help within his development itself and that could be another factor of of this bench and of these supporting roles being elevated even further throughout the season I've been reading so much content over the past like 48 hours, but I think it was Coach Spins on Celtics blog was advocating for Peyton Pritchard to actually be in the starting lineup, um, which would be pretty interesting because Adam and I are on team start Neesmith and I, you know, they, they offer a lot of the same qualities, right? They're, they're floor spacers that can spot up and stretch to hopefully 30, 30 feet. Uh, Neesmith is a little bit more uh, creative coming off of screens and pin downs and things like that. Uh, where Pritchard's probably more just like stretch to 30 and don't shoot off a movement as much. So like they have similar qualities, but like do it in different ways. Um, So I'd actually be pretty interested because as I said earlier, Marcus Smart isn't great at guarding like the fastest point guards in the league. So maybe you keep Marcus as the point guard on offense, but have him guard twos on defense with Pritchard in there to space the floor and guard point guards, which is possible. Um, I thought he definitely flexed some chops defensively last year. Kyrie torched him in the playoffs, but I think that overall throughout the season, he he had some moments where he was competitive. Um, so he, he's definitely another guy I want to keep my eye on. Yeah, and drawing the bar at guarding Kyrie, like shutting Kyrie down, if that's the bar we're yeah. setting, then I don't know what we're doing here because yeah, like, a lot of dudes getting shut. short. Yeah, dudes are getting torn up by Kyrie. That's the thing. Um whether, but I agree. I think regardless of who it is, uh, whether it be Pritchard, whether it be Neesmith, whether Richardson gets the nod, whoever it is there, as long as they can space the floor, provide some ball handling ability, maybe play some, like not maybe, but definitely play some decent or high, towards high-level defense, then the team's going to look good in the starting five. My biggest thing that I've been pushing all through the offseason is balance, making sure that the roster isn't top-heavy in the starting five so much that your your bench unit suffers because of it. And sometimes that means hurting somebody's ego to keep that balance. And I understand we're not talking hockey rotations, so the balance is negated somewhat because it's not a straight five-for-five swap. But being able to plug-and-play guys, you know, sometimes you're going to need to pull three guys out at once because the matchups just aren't working. And if your bench is... Um, like misorganized or it hasn't been um, the balance is kind of all with the starting five as we saw last year pulling three guys two guys at once and throwing in two guys that aren't really NBA level or aren't warm or don't fit with what you're trying to do that could be catastrophic in like a four or five minute stretch you can really get blown out and be going up on an uphill stretch from that point so uh, I do want the balance to stay there but one last thing do you know how many times I've had to question when I've seen Portland deport? Um, so Pritchard's from Portland and so and so's from Portland, and I'm like, is this Portland, Oregon, or Portland, Maine? Like, like which <laughs> like one in, are we talking in, about in right England, now? Like Portland, Maine. It, I could see why you might think it would be Portland, Maine. it's never Portland, Maine. Yeah, if it's ever I, basketball, there, I don't think there's ever been a good basketball player. If, it, if it's about ma- basketball life. and something that there's no other context giving you that it's about specifically Portland, Maine, or something in the in New England area, it's Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon is so much more prevalent nationally than than Portland. I just Maine they is. just put Portland, right? But because you covered the Celtics, you're like Portland, Maine. 
Yeah, it's what, possible. Yeah, you know, Portland, Maine, that's what you're talking about? So, yeah, I, I actually remember, like, because now that Greg and I live in Texas, this is a couple of years ago, uh, I was hanging out with, it was, that was your sister, actually, Greg. She had just come back from, like, a bachelorette party or a birthday party. She was like, yeah, I was in Portland. And I was like, man, you just flew in this morning? And she was like, Maine. Uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot. I'm not in Texas anymore where like yeah. no one would ever go to Portland, Maine. So in that scenario, it's one of the few scenarios in which Portland, Maine made more sense than Portland, Oregon. Yeah, the Celtics <laughs> try to confuse everybody with the Maine Red Claws, but it, it, it's it's never going to be about Portland. It's the Maine Celtics now. I was going to say, con- oh, controversial true. talking point. Now the, the Maine Celtics versus the Maine Red Claws. 50, 50 minutes into the podcast, I don't think we can open up that can of worms. <laughs> no, we'll save that for another day. Um, yo, I love these three-man weave episodes. I'm going to be quite honest. I like the way that we kind of just go off topic here, there, and everywhere. Um, I'm sure it's frustrating for people listening that are trying to get some – like some like when the season starts and there's more things to, to kind of sink your teeth into, I'm sure we'll be a bit more on topic. But, hey, look, the personality is what makes the show – I'm always happy to have you guys on. Um, do you know what? I'm super happy that we're both, we're all back in the swing of things as well. Uh, it's been a it's been a crazy month for everybody, especially with the off season being so dead. But um, we're back. We're up and running, guys. Let everybody know where they can find you. Um, you can find me at Minakis underscore Music on Instagram at Mini Minnow on Twitter. Um, I'm right now for those of you watching on YouTube, I'm shouting out my boy who started a clothing line down here in Austin, Texas called United clothing. Um, so you can, you can get one of these hats Fallen, I think he just has an Instagram at United clothing five, one, two. Um, so you can order one of these dope hats. Shout out AJ. Yep. Uh, collectively, you can find Greg and I together uh, on our other podcast as well, the 617 podcast. Uh, you can find us at Green Envy Pod on both Twitter and uh, Instagram. And then individually, if you really want to shout me out, you can go ahead and find me at Wilbon, W-I-L-L-2-L-S-B-O-N-13, both Twitter and Instagram. Appreciate you. Man, sure to show these guys some love, man. These guys are awesome. If you want to find me, then... I'm literally anywhere social media exists under the moniker of at Adam Taylor MBA. That's the username at Adam Taylor MBA. At Make Adam sure these, Taylor. these at Adam Taylor, these, <laughs> um, <laughs> these episodes are being uploaded to YouTube as well now. So if you're more of a, a visual person and an audio person, then you can go ahead, watch the episode in full on YouTube, Watch the silly things we do on camera sometimes where we're laughing at each other because we've said something that can be misconstrued or whatever that may mean. Uh, as usual, if you've enjoyed the show, that five-star written review is always the best way to show love. And, you know, if you don't have an Apple device and you can't show love that way, the next best way to show love is to tweet about the show, tweet at us about the show, tell your best friends about the show, your aunties, your uncles, your second cousin twice removed, Uber driver, pizza delivery person, your swimming instructor, scuba instructor, your say whoever's captain of the boat that you're on this weekend getting drunk you just hey yo you need to put this podcast on for everybody you're gonna love it and then, <laughs> party podcast let's go yeah let's all get drunk and listen to the free man weave on celtics but i'm telling you it's gonna be lit uh we'll catch you again on friday everybody stay safe have a good day and basketball's back soon baby Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless Every time I lay a verse down One play at a time, keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the majors Still, he chased greatness, expected that he might fail And I might too, I might never get to pop champagne Tell the 